Good morning, church. It's good to see you. We have a lot of our own folk out for spring break, which reminds me that it looks like spring is also taking a break, but eventually, <laughs> eventually. Um, and, but we have several visitors here today that uh, have come up and said hi, and I really appreciate that. It's good to get to see you and love to hear you sing. So whoever we traded for these singers, let's just keep these. All right, that's good. Uh, we, <laughs> if only we could, you know, so, so, so these things. Uh, the, the crosses are meant to be ugly. If you're a visitor and don't know what we do here, uh, we did it once, and the congregation decided they wanted to do it every year. And every year I say, should we give it a rest? And they pick up stones. So I say, well, shall we do it again then? They're meant to be ugly because uh, we need to somehow get in our mind that the cross was not a decorative thing. It wasn't a pretty thing. It was a horrific thing. So we make it ugly on Palm Sunday. But on Easter, we ask people to bring a flower. And by the way, if somebody forgets, we have visitors, we have extra. And we weave them into the cross and turn it into a, a thing of beauty, just as a symbol. And so hope that you'll be able to be back with us next week and to join us with this. this. As I was writing this lesson about a pursuing God, it kept dawning on me, I think I got this from somebody over here. I think I got this from somebody over here. I think I got this mainly from C.S. Lewis and Max Lucado way back, and I'll tell you that story in a bit. But a God that pursues us, Philip Yancey, uh, uh, that was another one I kept thinking. I think he did this as well. This concept of God being the lover who pursues us, and we keep spurning him. We keep turning him aside. A lot of, so what I'm telling you is, um, today is probably not terribly original, but this mixed up probably is. It's, it's, I'm the DJ today, and this is my mix uh, of all of these lessons I learned through the years. My introduction to uh, Max Lucado's works might help set this up. I had read Mere Christianity, and it rocked my world. It meant that I could no longer run from the existence of God. It hit me that hard. Uh, I really wanted to maybe just to be a deist then, believe there was a God, but he didn't care much about us. But then I was given two books by Max Lucado. They were both very short books. Um, God came near, and no wonder they call him the Savior. And I read that, and I read it at a time in my life where I had just read the Gospels over and over for six months, just trying to get the voice of Jesus in my head to see what I thought of it. And then to read Max Lucado's two books shook me once again, brought me closer, because I saw God not as a cold God sitting off in the distance of the heavens, convinced that we're only worth judgment and fire at best. I saw he wasn't the inactive, disinterested God, the absent God of the deist. In fact, I, I must confess, when I first closed the books, I even thought, well, this is lovely. I just wish it was true. It took me a while. I'm not a fast learner, but I learned that God is not going to give up on us. He keeps searching for us. He hunts us. He's trying to reach us. And let me assure you that if you're in this room, that means you. He has worked his magic. I don't like to use the word magic there, but I don't have another word. He has worked his plan. He has designed things, and you are in the room, and he is still hunting you. Quite a few years ago, I was asked to come and speak for one day uh, at a school 
in a very tiny town where I had once lived when I was a boy. Only 300 or so people live in that town, but the school was bigger because it brought in from, from other towns and villages around the area. It seemed huge to me when I was a boy. It was smaller when I returned as an adult. That's the way that works. And I walked the halls of the old school and smelled the smells that always live in elementary schools. Paste and pencil shavings and unwashed kids and shoes and construction paper. It all has its own miasma and it's all horrid. I, I don't walk around thinking of times gone by in my childhood because I wasn't really wired that way. I admire those of you that know every detail of your childhood and all your relatives' names and what happened. I was, um, I was a different <laughs> type of kid. I just couldn't wait for ever, whatever was happening just to be over so I could be alone and think for a while. So these episodes don't normally linger in my head, but something really came back as I walked those halls. Memories came out of nowhere. I was blown, remembering, oh, I was in that room when I tore the rear end out of my trousers. And I ran to that bathroom, and they tried to get me out, saying, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll wrap something around you. And I'm going, I'm not wearing that. That's no. And I stayed there until my parents came and brought me trousers because I wasn't going to take their... I was a, a little stubborn as a child. It's a shock. But I was a little, a little strong-willed, at least on Tuesdays. And that was, that was a Tuesday. I remember walking by the shop class where guys got to use saws and pointy things, and I wasn't allowed in there because, of, I don't know, court order or something, but I wasn't allowed to play with the presses and such that they had, and I thought that it was fascinating what all went in there. But I mainly remembered the playground. The playground is a feral place in elementary years. There are gangs. There are, there, it, it, it is, it, it, this is a make or break it. You've got 15 minutes to be accepted or die alone. <clears throat> and I, this is back in the days before kids had um, a lot of shoes. And so uh, you wore school shoes, which were hard shoes. And, and if, for gym, you had your gym shoes, your trainers, and a, and a, a lock there. So this is important because the wee boys would always try to get the attention of the pretty little girls in their dresses. And they, they, they would reciprocate by running over and kicking us with the pointed shoes that they had. But if we didn't pay attention to them, they would run over and kick us with their pointy shoes. <laughs> it seemed that no matter what happened, we were going home with bruises. But it was their way to get attention, and it was our way to get attention, because it is a universal drive of all humans to want to be seen as important enough to notice. We want to be noticed as a person, given rights and dignity as a person. That's why we get so angry when somebody acts like we don't matter, when we want to merge onto the highway, but no. Or whenever we're headed toward the one checkout lane that's open in Walmart, they have 40 in case of a national emergency of some sort. Last Christmas, it got so busy that they briefly considered opening up a second one, but cooler heads prevailed, and, and they backed off to the one, and they put you into the self-checkout now so that no longer do you just shop there, you must work there. But I, if you're headed toward the one working one, and somebody shoves in front of you, you get all offended. Why? Because we want to be seen as somebody. We want to be seen as important, at least worth having our own turn. Well, God has a lot to say about the way he notices us and pursues us.
The heavens declare the glory of God, and the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the end of the world. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. It's, it's like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion re rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens, makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to our eyes. He is in pursuit of us, and so he puts on a display. He's the bridegroom coming out. He's the creator. He's the artist. He's trying to speak to us through all of this. He's been in pursuit of our hearts and minds as a group and as individuals from the beginning. And he continually develops new strategies to try to reach us because all of us have different learning styles and we are learning more and more about how different we all are and what we see and hear and what we absorb or not. And so God keeps changing his methods, throwing new ones out there. Think of Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. In the past, God spoke to the ancestors through the prophets at many times in many ways. But in these last days, he was spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Did you catch? He tried many ways. He's spoken all over the place. And there's a big difference between Hosea and Ezekiel. You don't have to look for room and air between them. There were sermons, there were demonstrations, there were marches, there were miracles. God tried it all, starting with creation. He brought into existence things that did not exist and then used them to bring into existence other things that now exist. Out of nothing came everything, but only when the grand designer breathed into it. And that means what we see around us is an extension of the imagination of God. God reminds us of this through Paul in Romans chapter 1, one of my favorite passages in Romans, and there are so many from which to choose. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven, not, not the wrath part, it's my favorite, against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Here we go. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. Oh, how, I hear you cry. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities... His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made. So the people are without excuse. He is talking to us through his universe. When you see the amazing glories of the universe and of our tiny part of it, we're kind of in a backwoods neighborhood, but that shouldn't surprise you or make you wonder, why are we in the backwoods neighborhood? Because Jesus was born in Bethlehem, and that wasn't necessarily the center of the Renaissance at the time. God tends to show up in unexpected places and do unexpected things. Not only did God make things, he played. And I'm using that word on purpose. 
you see, as a boy, sermons frightened me sometimes. They bored me sometimes. There were some that interested me sometimes, but they didn't reach me nearly as much as nature did. Nature talked to me much more about this God that we were told about. But in church, we were hearing of a stern God. In nature, I see a God that made otters play. I see a God that just plays with stuff. We'll talk about that in a bit. Uh, in fact, in just a moment. But I, I tell people that want to learn the guitar, they'll, they'll buy a couple of lessons, they'll sign up to a YouTube channel, and they'll work there, and they'll work, and they'll work, and they'll say, I'm not getting it. And I said, you know why? Because we don't call it working the guitar. We call it playing, make a noise. And you might say, well, it didn't sound right. It does in some song. Find that song. <clears throat> if it's completely discordant and works nowhere, welcome to jazz. Have a seat. <clears throat> you might say, but I don't know where it's going. They don't either. Just, just sit, play. I remember listening to a mandolin uh, just he was he was an amazing virtuoso played in symphonies and also bluegrass bands and he played jazz clubs and such with the mandolin and somebody asked him what do you what do you teach and he said one of the first things I tell people is if you hit a wrong note you're only one fret off slide up or down and you'll be fine play play look at what God did I've said before God could have made the animal the plant and us and be done the animal eats the plant, we eat the animal. God's done Monday by noon. But instead, look what he did. Stripes on a zebra. They tell me, uh, evolutionary biologists do, that stripes on the, on the zebra help them hide in a bush. And it would if bushes were striped like that. <laughs> now, it does help because a lot of predators do have only black and white vision. I get that. But still, zebras aren't that necessary but we still have them. Walking sticks. I remember the first time I saw one of those. I thought that was an amazing act of play by God. Moths that mimic the eyes of birds on their wings. I'm told that, that they developed that as a defense mechanism, but my response is, I, I don't think you got time. If a bird's trying to eat you, it's hard to develop a spot on your wing. I, I think there might have been some guidance along this process. There are other things, snapping turtles that fish by sticking their tongue out and making it look like a worm. Baboons with rainbows on their rear end. I, there's no need for that. That's completely unnecessary. <clears throat> Perhaps even inappropriate, but... The world is saturated with light and color and movement and change. And then God goes to work on us. Some of the stories in Scripture are kind of funny and tragic, like a 90-year-old woman getting pregnant. I've had people talk a lot in a Bible lesson, like, well, that just says God doing God. I'm going, a 90-year-old woman? What did she think of the miracle? I'm, on one hand, you're going to have a son, but my, that's going to be uncomfortable. That is, and, and I'm not, I'm, I imagine she growled at her husband frequently. I'm not, this is this, this a, this a different, a woman turns to salt? That fascinated me in scripture, and I continually wondered, when's that going to happen again? Be and my, 
I, the reason is, I got to finish, do that loop, I guess. The preachers were, when I grew up, if somebody came in late, which they sometimes did, and the door would bang, or in one, one church we were in, the, door, the entry door was there. So everybody saw you, the walk of shame coming in late. <clears throat> and people would turn around to see, and he'd go, no, don't turn around, remember Lot's wife. And we're going, okay. <laughs> we, I, I, I remember asking my dad once, I said, that hasn't happened for a while. And he goes, well, then we're due. And I went, fair enough. You know, <laughs> kind of like the lotto. The longer it goes, well, something's going to happen. Let's just keep looking. A bush catches fire, does, but doesn't burn up. That's playful. The Red Sea parts. He didn't have to do that. He could have supplied boats. He could have sent them a different way. Like, he did things. The walls of Jericho fall, but one doesn't. Who lives there? Prostitute. Okay, let's talk about that in VBS, shall we? God's going to save the prostitute. She's going to become one of the grandmamas of Jesus. But we, we don't make that a little song that we sing at, at, at camp. The sky rains down fire on so A donkey talks. All right, now it happens in Trek. But it hadn't happened before. This is, this is our God. Now I want you to fear him. Yeah, I want you to bow in reverence, but I also want you to like him because, man, look at what he did. It's unnecessary. It's completely unnecessary. We don't need kangaroos. We don't. I'm not anti-kangaroo. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm not asking you. I'm, I'm not hoping they all die. But if they died all tonight, what would your life be like tomorrow? You'd be fine. Possums might be wiped out any time now. Because they have a trouble with the concept of road. <laughs> I, I can remember in, when we lived in West Virginia and there were abundance of dead possums. Somebody doing the old joke about why does the chicken cross the road said that in front of my kids. And my daughter said, to show the possum it can be done. But these animals are hilarious. Did you watch BBC's Planet Earth? Did you watch the Blue Planet? Any, watch that and see what God did. And he's saying, look, look, look this way. It's, it's more effective than a little girl running across the playground and kicking you with the pointy shoes. Just when you think it couldn't get any more imaginative than this, the ultimate thin place occurs. And God breaks through into our universe in the form of a baby amazing right in the middle of god's playground our corner of it he walks in he goes to work trying to get your attention he still is trying to get your attention and he came this is the thing that just continually and i know i've said this a dozen times it just continually shocks me he came declaring peace i was talking to a woman yesterday from another state that called with an issue with his son, and they're having struggles. His beliefs are different from her beliefs, and he's insisting that she agree his beliefs are okay, or and if she doesn't, then she doesn't love him. And I said, God came to us and loved us, and we didn't agree with him at the time. I said, we need to learn how to love people we don't agree with, and we, we talked a lot about this. He shows up declaring peace. The first thing he told us, we're good with him, peace on earth goodwill toward men. He wished us nothing but good. He lived incognito for a while, 
before one day he closed the door to the carpenter shop or the stonemason shop or whatever it was and got started. And got started with a movement that has reached all the way to here this morning. And not just here, all over the world. People are getting ready to celebrate something this God did. His hands would have been calloused and scarred. He, he looked like one of us, but let's be honest, he didn't act like one of us. He was the best of us. He loved fiercely and completely. I, I have a lot of respect for over-the-top, complete, mad love. And that's all you can say about God. That's how he loves us. When the day came, he headed down the mountain into a mob and up on a cross. He still wasn't done. When I grew up, I, I remember the first album my sister bought. She snuck it, she smuggled it past the border guard uh, of my parents and got it upstairs. I don't know where she got the record player either. Records were a, a large flat petroleum uh, product they, um, that, that played a warm music. Anyway, uh, and she, it was the Simon and Garfunkel, uh, Bridge Over Troubled Water. And I remember the song, The Boxer, and how it really, it just really got to me about he carries every uh, a reminder of every glove that laid him down or cut him till he cried out in his anger and his shame, I am leaving, I am leaving, but the fighter still remains. I think that's still one of the most profound lines in popular music. When I look at Jesus, I see a backer who didn't back up. More respect is due the one who is bruised, battered, bleeding, scarred, but who stands back up. The fighter still remains. We, I'm talking collectively, maybe you're an exception, but we, we tend to try a few times. A dozen, a hundred, but we have a limit. I've had so many preachers in my life say, I'm, when do you give up on people? And I said, try to be as patient with them as you want God to be with you. Now that's completely unfair, I'm aware but I still push it out there. That's where we need to be. Get back up. God demonstrated by the life of Jesus that he didn't have a limit. No matter how many times he's rejected, treated disdainfully, attacked or nailed on a tree, he stands back up. He's ready to love us. How many of our movies have that in it? The one who wouldn't quit. The one who wouldn't quit. Why? Because we know we need somebody who doesn't quit, and we have them in our God. For people that give up too quickly, Palm Sunday is a good reminder. It's a good time to check that tendency in ourselves. Don't quit loving. Don't quit serving. Don't quit life. Get back up. There was a video done of an African-American preacher. Uh, you only hear his voice, but they, they did a graphic through the whole thing. It's very, very popular for about 10 years, and then people thought, well, it's been played, and so they didn't do any more. But the whole theme of it I loved, and that is, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. From the looks on some of your faces, you, you've seen that. Let me let you in on something. It's my opinion. But you better believe Jesus wanted to quit. 
You better believe that as the whips and nails and fists and insults rained down on him, he wanted to quit. There was a reason he cried over Jerusalem. There was a reason he cried at the grave of Lazarus. This was hard. This was tough. And we don't act like we're the kind of people worth that effort. But he stuck it out. He endured the cross, the scripture says. He finished the work of history, the scheme of redemption, as one phrased it. The creation of a permanent connection of the physical and the spiritual. A permanent abiding fen place. We meet our God. And yet, he still was not done. After the whole cross thing, he came back. Stone was rolled away. He'd stand in front of us and show us the scars because you're going to get them. But please remember, scars are just tattoos of better stories. They are signs that something tried to kill you and failed. And he says, death does not win the argument anymore. Death still happens, but death does not win. The winner is not the unscathed or the unscarred. The winner is the one who gets up one more time than they are knocked down. So, our God... Palm Sunday, is still trying to get our attention. He puts on a play about resurrection every spring as trees and flowers pop up out of what looks like to be dead. Absolutely dead ground, dead trees, dead everything, muck and mud. And then life. My wife, in our years in Scotland, was always looking for the first daffodils the first flowers to break through the snow. And she would go down to, it's just outside of Trun on the west coast. There was a, a little farm, and there, there was always a border collie guarding the table. I'm pretty sure the border collie didn't know math, but it was sitting there. And it was an honor system. You'd put over the money, and you'd take some of the, the daffodils. And we would, I knew every time she would be going to get those. Because life, life in the midst of harsh weather, out of nowhere, just boom. Like on the first day, morning has broken. It comes again. Maybe you've never seen a miracle. Maybe you've never experienced a rescue of God on 1159. I understand. But you're here. And that indicates that God's not done with you yet. He has herded you to get you to this place this time he's trying to reach you there's a reason you're here as blooms encircle the building as life returns to the field open your eyes open your heart to the pursuing god would you stand as we read this passage open for me the gates of the righteous i will enter and give thanks to the lord this is the gate of the lord through whom the righteous may enter I will give you thanks, for you answered me. You have become my salvation. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. The Lord has done it this very day. Let us rejoice today and be glad. Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord, we bless you. The Lord is God, and he has made his light shine on us. With bows in hand, 
join in the festal procession up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will praise you. You are my God, and I will exalt, and his love endures forever. Amen, church.